0: Well, happy Easter. It's going to be a great day of celebration. We've already done a great job in song, and we're going to celebrate that by looking in God's Word and just seeing what reason, what cause we have to celebrate this. It's going to be a reminder for many of us, but maybe for you, it's going to be just a, a way for you to understand something about Jesus that you've never understood before. So I'm going to start the service off with a, with a question, and as I as I ask this question, some of you guys are going to be really encouraged by this. I'm going to ask this, and you're going to feel, this is going to be like a feel-good question for you. You're going to feel a sense of victory and ownership and even satisfaction, and I'm going to ask this question, and some of you are going to be going, that's a terrible way to start a service, especially on why would you ask me that on a day like today? It's just going to be one of those questions It's going to be interesting to see how it is that you feel about it, and I'm probably not going to know unless you send me an email or something, which hopefully you won't, so... Here's the question. Have you ever paid in full for something that seemed like a major accomplishment? You know, that, that sense of maybe, maybe you went to college and, and you were there for four years, but, but for 14 years you've been reminded of the expense of college because you've had that student loan that you just kept working on and working on and working on. Maybe, maybe for you that, that you bought a car and, and you couldn't afford to pay for it outright and, and you had this monthly reminder that it wasn't just yours, it was yours and the banks. And so finally that monthly reminder ends because you've paid in full for that ride. Maybe it was going out and getting uh, some toys. Maybe you went and got a jet ski or a four-wheeler, a boat, an RV. And, and, and when you got that, you go, hey, I'm, I'm comfortable with payments. And, and then you finally get to that place where you actually paid in full and that is yours and you own it outright. That there's several different things that we could look at. Maybe it's credit cards and something you've kept a balance on for years and you finally said that's enough is enough. It's time for me to live within my means and I'm going to pay it in full and I'm going to be done with credit card debt. Maybe it's been something like vacation debt. Maybe it's been furniture debt. Maybe it's been medical debt. Maybe it was your like Best Buy addiction kind of debt, you know, and, and you just had these debts and they just kind of, and you finally reached the point where you paid in full Maybe the the most significant one that that any of us could do would be when we pay our house in full and and we are now living in a paid-for home. What a major accomplishment. Something that that we do around here at church, here at Crosspoint, and many churches do this, is that we teach financial classes. And we do Financial Peace University. We just call it FPU. And, and we teach that so that people could learn, hey, how is it that I could interact with money in such a way that, that I'm no longer going to have these burdens. I'm going to be able to pay for things in full when I get them, when I acquire them. And so I, I didn't bring all that up, though, to be able to give an advertisement for this class. We're actually just finishing one up the end of this month. But I actually brought that up because... I think that it has everything to do with Easter, even though you might be thinking, what in the world does this have to do with Easter? And that is this thought right here. The Easter is our celebration of the greatest paid in full transaction. That's what Easter is. It's a a way that, that we celebrate that this Paid in full, trans- it's the greatest one of all time. Now, now Easter isn't the paid in full transaction. The, the Easter is really more like, think of Easter as our receipt of, of the transaction that took place three days earlier. Because, see, there was the original Good Friday. When, when, when Jesus gave his life willingly on a cross, and he was a sacrifice, and he paid in full for your sins for my sins that he did this and, and and the reason that we can look at this and go hey this is the, the greatest transaction because what other transaction is still being talked about 2,000 years later every single year that, that, that this is one that we just get to look at we get to go hey this is this is great there's something incredible when it comes to this and Jesus paying the price. It, it is the most compassionate transaction that has ever taken place. Of Jesus giving his life for ours. Now the crucifixion, it, it wasn't an installment payment. It, it wasn't a partial payment. The, the when we look at the crucifixion, it was one payment that paid in full the sin of all time. Because see, sin is this thing that, that sin creates debt for us. And, and that we get a look and go, this was the time that it was paid in full. We're going to be looking in the Gospel of John. In our New Testament, we have these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the order. We get to start in our New Testament with the book of Matthew. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we're going to look at John. We're going to look at what John had to say as he remembered the events of this crucifixion. Now, we can look in any one of these Gospels and we can see the details of this crucifixion. And, and John's Gospel is unique. The, the, there are more things in John's Gospel that are more unique than any of the others. That John writes and he's writing and he's given us perspective that some of the other Gospel accounts just don't cover. And not just with the crucifixion, but with many other things as well. In fact, if we were to look at all of the accounts of the crucifixion, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we would see that there were seven different statements. There were seven different times that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross. And John's going to cover four of those. Then his writing is, is what we get to see. And so, so when, when John is covering, he's already covered two of these that we're not going to look at. That he's already covered one that, that he says, dear woman, this is your son. And he's referring to, to John. He's talking to his mother who's there at the cross while he's being crucified. John, the only disciple that was actually present at the crucifixion. All the others were, were afraid and they had run and they had fleed. But John was there. And, and he says, dear woman, this is your son. He knows that he is not going to be here any longer. And so with compassion, he wants his mom to know, this guy is going to take care of you. And then he looked at John and he said... This is your mother. These are two things that that he has already said, that he's already remembered of what Jesus has said. And we're going to pick this up in verse 28, John chapter 19, starting in verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. Jesus has been on the cross for about six hours at this point. And, and he knows that his mission is... See, Jesus came with a mission. Jesus came with a purpose. And G- Jesus didn't leave heaven and come to earth and just kind of go, I kind of hope I'm going to make a difference and, and somehow, some way, maybe... He, he didn't leave heaven and come to earth and go, well, I've got this intent. I, I, I intend to do something. That when Jesus left heaven and he came to earth, he came with an unstoppable determination... And this unstoppable determination was to do whatever it takes, whatever it would take, to restore humanity back to God, to restore what sin had broken, to restore what sin had taken. That was Jesus' mission. And he now knows he has finished this mission one of the things that we'd have to look at some of the other gospels to read about is, is that we would know that, that Jesus said while he's on that cross earlier he said my God my God why have you forsaken me or, or why have you abandoned me and he felt something that he had never ever felt before that, that, that from before there was even a beginning he had always existed and existed in heaven and existed with God and and he had always felt this connection he had never sinned but because he took on our sin he felt a disconnect because that's what sin does it breaks fellowship it breaks our relationship it breaks our connection with our heavenly father And he's experienced that already and now he knows That his mission. It's finished. That he came, and he has done, what he set out to do. So we look at this. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill Scripture, he said, "I am thirsty." Now it wasn't an easy thing for him to say. That he's been beaten near to death. He's he's carried his cross until he could not carry it anymore. And somebody else had to carry it the rest of the way. Then they nail him to this cross. And he has been up there for nearly six hours. And he says, I'm thirsty. And He does this to fulfill prophecy, to fulfill scripture. He says this. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his lips. And when he had tasted it, he said, it is finished. The, the, the after tastes that. He goes, it is finished. And as he says this again, it's a, it's a struggle for him to express this. And, and he says, this, it is finished. He, he struggles. He has to push up to take a breath to even express it. But, but he says this. He says this in this Greek language. It's, it's tetelestai. And he says this, tetelestai. And, and what he says with one word, we translate most commonly... It is finished. But to is an accounting term. It, it, it's a measurement of a transaction. And that's what Jesus says, and he, and he uses this accounting term and he says this, and we translate it, it is finished. But let me tell you what this word literally means. To that it is finished. It, it means. Paid in full. That is what this means. It means paid in full. And Jesus knew that he is now paid in full the debt of sin. Now, he didn't owe God anything. He didn't have any debt with God. But he came to pay the debt of humanity. The debt of us individually. To pay the debt that sin creates. Because that's what sin does. It it creates debt. And Jesus' mission was to pay a debt he didn't owe. That was his mission. And he came and he finished his mission. Paid in full is what he did on that Friday that sin yes it it creates debt <clears throat> and you know some of us some of us have a pretty big credit line with God don't we that we got a lot of sin and and, and it's not even confessed we haven't even handed it we're just like gonna kind of care no that's mine I still want that one and I'm not willing to change so no I'm not, not. and we're, we some of us have a really big credit line so some of you you, you guys go I, I, I hate using credit and so you're like going, even with God, I don't want his credit. So you're like, it's been 17 minutes. God, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure what I've done, but I'm sorry for it, whatever it was. <laughs> I just, I got to confess it. Am I forgiven? Because we, we just can't stand the, the thought of that, that we owe God something, that, that there's something that's unresolved. And so we just confess and we trust what Jesus has done. And so we do, we confess over and over and over. But see, it's because we know that the sin, it creates a debt, and we don't want that debt Hanging over our head, and Jesus paid the debt of sin. So I want to I want to share a thought with you, and and this is the one thought that I really want you to capture. You, if, if you end up tuning out, you've already tuned out before. You're going to tune out. Would you at least tune in to this? Because th- this is this is the most significant thing I, I really have to say today. And it's this: to benefit. From the crucifixion. You have to believe in. The resurrection. That yes he paid in full. But to benefit. From the crucifixion. In order to benefit. From the crucifixion. You have to believe in. The resurrection. And and that's. What allows our debt. To be paid in full. When we believe we trust Jesus. Jesus. And what he has done for us. We trust who he is and what he has done. That in order to benefit from this eternal transaction. You have to believe in Jesus' empty tomb. It's the only way we benefit. So I want to share with us, with everyone this morning. Something that, that we know. That because the tomb is empty, we know. There there are four things, four big thoughts that I want us to grasp, I want us to comprehend, or I want us to be reminded of, if you've already known this. That because the tomb is empty, that we know. That first one is that we know God finished what He started. And we only know that because the tomb is empty. That because it's empty, we know that God finished what he started the, earlier in the book of john if we back up to chapter three jesus is having a conversation with this guy nick and he's a religious leader and and he came to him at night and uh, the speculation isn't because he knows that all the other religious guys are going hey we reject jesus and so so nobody talked to him we're against him and and so he goes at night and and so he's there and he's there secretively and he's really inquisitive and he's wanting to know some things from jesus he's starting to see something in him that he goes I I think you're legit. I I, I think you're the real thing. And he just wanted to know for sure. And so he's been having this ongoing conversation. And John writes about this. But we're going to look at, at verses 16 and 17 together. And so this is what Jesus is expressing to Nick. He says, for this is how God loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That we have to what? Believe. He spells it out right there. We have to believe. And everyone who believes in him will have this eternal life. Not eternal death separated from him. But eternal life forever with God in heaven.
1: That is what will happen to those who believe. Verse 7. To judge the world. But to save the world. Through him.
0: Now. There are people that don't even know much about the Bible and don't even know much about Jesus. But they are all bought in to that verse. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave me alone. Because Jesus, he didn't come to the world to, to, to judge the world. And so why, why are you judging? And, and,
1: and they take this, this approach and they're just like, hey, if Jesus didn't come to judge, then you shouldn't be judged.
0: What Jesus continued to say to Nick. And I'd encourage you to read it on your own. What Jesus said to Nick is he said, the world has already been judged. He's not coming to judge because judgment's already here. Everybody's already being judged for what? For their sins. And so God sent Jesus, his son, to the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Because Jesus would come and pay in full the debt our sin but in order to benefit from the crucifixion you have to believe in the resurrection the Jesus who who stated on many occasions listen my time is coming and, and and I'm gonna give my life but three days later I'm gonna come back from the dead that, that he predicted that he was going to die. He predicted when it was going to die. He predicted how it was going to happen. just He talked about how the Son of Man had to be lifted up, put up, hoisted up. But three days later, I, I'll be back. I, I'm coming back. And he fulfilled that. When we look and, and we see, we know that, hey, listen, when, because the tomb is empty, we know that God finished what he started. Here's the second big thought. That because the tomb is empty, we know God's love is unconditional. That, that we know that because the tomb is empty. That again, in this book of John, right about in the middle of this book, when we look at this in John chapter 15, and, and in John 15 it, it records the longest prayer of Jesus that, that we know of. And, but Jesus, he's talking and he's interacting with his disciples. And he says this, to them we'll start in verse 13 he says there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends and you might go no 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 i, I think there's a greater love I, I think there's a greater love and that greater love is when a parent would lay down their life for their child well see that's not a that's not a greater love that's an instinctual love that that's a love that, that's an obligation obligation obligatory love that, that hey that's our and we're
1: to our own children. But, but a friend, a friend, when that opportunity comes along, the friend,
0: you know, how have you been treating me today? You know, I mean, they're just they're thinking about and deciding whether, and Jesus is saying, listen, there's no greater love than for one to lay down his life, one's life. For a friend. And then Jesus said this to his disciples He says, You are my friends. Conditional clause. If. You are my friends if you do what I command. Some of you guys, are like, I think I should take notes. I, I want some friends that are going to do what I command. I'm going to let them know. You're my friend if you do what I command. You have to understand. Jesus is king of kings. That's who Jesus is. And if he's the king of kings, he has authority. And with his authority, he has guidelines and he has rules. And he goes, hey, you are my friend if you do what I... He doesn't just want to be their king. He wants to be their king and their friend. And you are my friend if you do what I command. That Because the tomb is empty, that we know God's love it is unconditional. Here's a third thought. That because the tomb is empty, we know that God's power is beyond understanding. That, that it's it's beyond it. That, that, that we go, hey, I, if we're going to look and go, hey, look, the empty tomb... How do you explain that? Well, I don't know. I can't really understand that. I don't understand how Jesus, He died and He could, He could rise again. I don't understand how He could have said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be on a cross. He, this is what He said was happening. three days later. I don't understand that actually happened. How did that happen? That, that we hear that, that God is this triune God, this Trinity God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is three in one. Well, I don't really understand that. I don't either. That because the tomb is empty, we just cannot understand about a holy all-powerful mighty god but because the tomb is empty because this resurrection power that jesus exercised and flexed his muscle on for himself we know wow god's power it is beyond understanding I want us to just dip our toe in the, in the Old Testament here real quickly and, 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 and get an understanding, get some context for this, this power that this is so far beyond understanding. And we're going
1: to... ...for these Ten Commandments, he did it through... that that he was leading God's people out of captivity that they had been captive for 400 years and Moses is this guy that that led them out of that captivity well well, Moses was God encounter and he's tending sheep one day
0: and as he's tending these sheep up on this hillside what catches his eye is there is a bush and it is burning and he looks at it, and the bushes beside it, they're not burning. And while it's burning, the leaves aren't being consumed, they're still intact. And as he approaches it, the bush speaks to him. And this bush says, Moses, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. And this bush is where God's presence is, and God is speaking to Moses. Moses. And Moses begins to speak back. And through this short dialogue, God lets Moses know, listen, I'm going to use you to set my people free. They've been captive for 400 years, the Israelites. They, they've never even had their own land. They're a nation and never had their own. I'm going I'm to use you. You're going to set them free and they're going to get their own land. And Moses is like going, um, okay, well, Bush... Um, if I go do that, uh, what am I supposed to tell these people? And what do I, what do I say to Pharaoh when I show up? And, and, and Pharaoh is Moses' quasi-grandfather, and that's another long story. But, but he's, this is a guy he knows he's going to go back to, and the leader of Egypt. And he's like, well, wh- wh- what am I supposed to do? Am I just supposed to show up and say, um, Bush has sent me? <laughs> Um, and you're just supposed to let me take all of your slave labor, and we're just going to go. And, well, on what authority? On, on the bushes' authority? And, and so he, he's, ha- and he, and he's going, God, I, if this is really you, how, what am I supposed to tell them? And this is what God says in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Not starting, we're just looking at 14. God replied to Moses, I am. Who I am, and if you're looking at that with me, you're going, okay. Like that's all in caps. Is is will just emphasizing that? No, that's not me emphasizing that. That is all in caps for a reason. Let's let's continue. Say this to the people of Israel: I am again all in caps. Has sent me to you. See, Moses asked a question. You know, hey, who are you, and who am I supposed to tell them? Sent me. I am who I am. And you tell them that I am sent you. That's what you tell them. Did you know that God has a name? Some of you probably do. You've dug deep enough and you're, okay, God has a name. And his name is, is really more of his essence. I mean, God is who he is, but, but he has a name. And maybe you've heard this and never really even associated, but, but his name is Yahweh. And, and, and he's Yahweh God, that, that's, who he, that's his name, Yahweh. And, and his name really captures his essence. And we translate Yahweh, this, this Hebrew phrase, we translate that. And we translate it, I am. Who is God? God is the I am. I am who I am. That's who I am. And I am sent you. And this is what he tells Moses. Moses could understand in that moment, wow, you really are God. And so he goes and does what God sent him to do. So fast forward back into the New Testament. Now, Jesus is being asked, who are you? But who's asking him isn't somebody who's like genuinely inquisitive and going, I'd really like to know who you are. the, The question is more of a who do you think you are? And it was coming from these religious rejecters. These religious leaders that just rejected, outright rejected Jesus. They they rejected him because they would have expected for whoever this was that Jesus would stand. Because they're expecting a Messiah. They're expecting a Savior. They're expecting this Christ to come. But they expected them to show up on their doorstep, hold their hand, and let's go work together. Kumbaya. But Jesus didn't do this. Because their hearts had become far from God. They were all about religion and never about the relationship. So they were at odds so these religious rejectors say, who do you think you are? And let's look, because John actually records this too in chapter 8 of Jesus answering this question, verse 58. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Now they know that Yahweh, I, that, that, that's reserved for God. And he just said, he is Yahweh. He just said, he is God. But not only did he do that. He took where they understood their hierarchy. And their hierarchy is, here's God. Then there's Abraham. And then there's Moses. The Jews still still believe and practice this today. It's God. And then it's Abraham. And then it's Moses. Because Abraham was this one that God singled out and said, I'm going to start a nation and I'm going to start it through you. I I need you to leave where you are. Go to where I'm going to send you. Where's that? I'm not telling you yet. You need to leave where you are. Go to where I'm going to send you. And I'm going to create a nation through you. And he does this. And so they look at Abraham and they go, that's that's the father of our faith. There's God who's creator. But Abraham's the father of our faith. And Jesus says before Abraham was even born. You're asking me, who do I think I am? before Abraham was even born, the one that you look up to and you even worship him and you shouldn't be? I am. Before he was born, Yahweh. That's what Jesus is saying to these guys. And when we look at this, we get to say, wow, that God's power, it's beyond understanding. How do we know? We know it because the tomb is empty. It's how we know this. And because the tomb is empty, God was paid in full for every believer. It's this fourth point. That that because the tomb is empty, we know God was paid in full for every believer. See, in order to benefit from the crucifixion, you have to believe in the resurrection. Let's go back to where we started, John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 30, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So two days ago, we recognize Good Friday. And and when we call this Good Friday, it's the day that that Jesus was, was beaten Nearly to death. The day that, that Jesus was was nailed to a cross, he was spit on, he was mocked. But Jesus hung on a cross for six hours. And then he breathed his last breath and gave up his spirit. We call it Good Friday. And the only reason we call it Good Friday is because he rose from the dead three days later and we went, oh, What you did was actually good. What you did was you paid in. And and we, with hindsight, know that. I think it's possible that the first one who ever
1: thought of... Might have actually... Of seeing Jesus and
0: watching what took place on that cross. And even as Jesus said it's finished. It's paid in full. And he's like I don't know what you think you've accomplished. And you died. And I didn't see anything change on the earth. I didn't see anything change in people.
1: This is a good Friday. That had that first thought. Could
0: you imagine. That in that moment of of satan of him beginning to question jesus
1: who who are you and he would ask this question did you really think you could make a difference so i want you to check this out because imagine if he were to write a letter
0: to jesus that day what it might be
2: Jesus, who do you think you are? You came riding into town. You claimed to be shouted Hosanna. Oh, it looked like they loved you. But they didn't. They did not love you. They did not heed your words. They were not your friends. They were your enemies. And before the week had even ended, they crucified you. Now, here you are, nailed on a cross, naked and weak. Of course, the only reason I'm here is because I know what you're really up to. You are paying for something. You have been crowned with guilt, the shame of all the people you love. The mistakes of every person. That nagging selfishness that emerges from the womb like a cancer that never stops growing. Stabbing the despicable things they wish upon others. all see you, pushing with your feet, trying to breathe underneath the weight of it all. All the petty anger of prideful men of entitlement, the material obsessions, the unspeakable amounts of money they spend on looking good while their fellow humans are Me starving. What does it feel like knowing that all of this is on you now? Every divorce, every abandonment, every deadbeat dad, every gunshot, every... The men who kidnap girls and sell their dignity for a few dollars. All the insecure rage and outbursts. The I hate you. The I'll do what I want. The pornographic addictions. The jealousy. The idols. The celebration of vanity. Look at me. Look at me. Well, now we're looking at you, Jesus. And all I can see is a world drowning in sin and suffering. I realize these were not your doing. Nonetheless, I'm happy for you to be taking the blame. Humanity has done a fine job with this, but I'll take it from you. Before we're done, I just have to ask, what kind of person claims he can forgive the whole world? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Sincerely,
3: Dear Death, I got your letter. My apologies for it taking a few days to write back. I had some important work to finish. I know you weren't expecting me to reply, but I'm always eager to provide the answer to a good question. Who do I think? I'll tell you who I am. I am the eternity before history. I am the Potter.
4: I am the co-conspirator behind the scandal of grace. I am the keeper.
3: I'm stamping each and every one of them paid in full. Who do I think I am?
4: I'll tell you. I am the... I am the towering wave of mercy that can quench its thirsty flame I am the billowing storm Good.
3: I am the redeemer of wasted years I am the wed Even power, oh I am I am the one author of this story. I am the one holding the pen, and I will block you out with a single stroke of my hand. I will have the last word because here to give the rule, you were attending yours. Funds and human plans, and I was certainly never a slave to you. I am the victor. I am the master. I am the one who sets the captives free. And not only have I broken your grip on me, but I will pry your fingers from all who call my name. You are done. You are powerless. Your work is null and void. Pack up your bags. Go and tell your friends. It is finished. In case you're still wondering, who do I think I am? I'll tell you who I am. Sincerely, Jesus. Cross is my beginning, the line drawn in the sand. The end of all my striving. Now I am born again. There, Jesus was forsaken. my salvation the gift of God, the work of Calvary
0: God's offer to start something new in you. That's what it is. That his finished work on the cross is his offer. God's offer to start something new in you. And and many here, you know exactly what that is. You know what that's like to experience that. That that you have trusted Jesus. You you believe that that you look at this and go, in order to benefit from the crucifixion, You have to believe in the resurrection and you have believed and you have allowed God to start something new in you. But if you're here and you have yet to trust Jesus. To be the son of God, to be the savior of your sins. That your lack of trust will forever separate you from your heavenly father unless you choose to believe. that see Easter Easter displays God's grace. that, that Easter it, it displays Jesus' power. And for everyone who believes and, and trusts in Jesus, Easter displays your faith. That, that's, what, that's what Easter does. And many, many have they've begun that, but maybe you're here today. And you've only been familiar with God, you've only been familiar with Jesus, and you've never really had a relationship, especially one that was built on belief, trust, faith of Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth to do a work on the cross that He finished. So that your sin, your debt could be paid in full. That Jesus did that for you. Listen, there's a, a prayer that I'm gonna have displayed, and 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 this prayer is a prayer that that many of you, you, you've prayed a prayer similar to this. But maybe someone in here or several someone's has never really prayed a prayer like that, especially praying a prayer like this and and meaning it. And this prayer, Jesus. I believe that you paid in full, that you did that, the debt my sin created. And that with this prayer that that we would thank him and thank you for doing for me what I could never do for myself. I'm going to ask that that we would all say this prayer together. So You're not going to bow your head. You're not going to close your eyes. You're just going to look up at a screen and, and for us to just all say this prayer together. And that maybe for you, this is just going to be saying a prayer like a prayer that you've already prayed before. And this is going to be a reminder of your gratitude. That maybe there's someone or several someones in here that you've never done anything like this. And that there's just been a lot of dots connected and the Spirit of God's just doing a work in you today. And that this is going to be a prayer that you're going to pray with the deepest of meaning. So let's just say this together. Jesus, I believe. You paid in full the debt my sin created. Thank you for doing for me what I could never do for myself. Amen.